Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. I am David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. Um, We are recording this on a crazy day. We're not sure when you're going to watch it, but it probably will still be crazy when you watch it. Just a lot of change and a lot of wild stuff Yeah, you just don't even want to check your phone. Like, between morning and afternoon, you don't know what is going to happen next. I know. I just did before we pushed record and found out that all the kids are going to stay home from school now. Yay! <laughs> um, and so it's we've been just talking kind of... about it. We've been talking about all the craziness and what is going to happen and and what are we all going to do, right, everyone? Right. And so some of the things that we've been thinking about are what can we do to help? It's just kind of our personality to just say, all right. So how can we help? And because we've just been brainstorming for our own houses and our own families and friends and just thinking like, man, what's everybody doing? And right now it feels a little bit overwhelming. Because it just kind of felt like now, if you're, a, you know, young, if you have young kids like Jenny and I do, the thought is, okay, now they're home every day, all day, all the hours. You and you're know? in charge and you're of school and yeah, you're, your you're the school and teacher you're, and you're the young men's and young women's teacher and you're the primary teacher and you're the come follow me teacher. And, and we love that there's some sweet mom in Africa who's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how it's always been for me. And I'm the hunter and gatherer also. So welcome to my world. Yeah, so. It's so true. <laughs> I've had so many conversations in the past couple of days of people saying, what is it even going to look like? Like, what should it look like? And it made me think to myself, we probably want to put some intentional time into planning what it's going to look like because really... It could accidentally look like spring break for four weeks, really. Yeah. And we're going to get so tired of that after day five. and Or how, day three. <laughs> so true. <laughs> how um, do you make the days that are the days of the week different than your Sabbath day? What's, what's the Sabbath day going to look like? We were talking about it's so interesting. We had that six months of preparation of what does the Sabbath day look like and how do we set that apart when we're all just home all the time and doing the same things and which is one of the beauties of a sabbath is it's a day that's set apart like it's a day that is is different than all the other days and so yeah what will that look like and we talked about maybe we want to be intentional about what does it look like when we have church at home like in our family i was thinking we need to actually set a time the church is going to be Um, whether it's nine o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock or three o'clock, but we actually, it's going to go better for us if we pick a time that it's going to be. So everybody knows this is, we are actually doing church at this time. So prepare for that and everything else that you are doing. And yeah, almost that you're not just that you're not winging it. Like, I don't think it has to be elaborate. I think there's some beauty in simplicity Mm -hmm. and, but just the fact that it's, Hey, now we are, there's this, I teach this world religions class mm-hmm. and in, uh, there's a religion that's practiced mainly in Japan called Shintoism. And in their temples, they have what's called a, um, a Tori gate. And, um, it's like sometimes made out of wood or like leaves and flowers and stuff like that. Don't worry. I asked the temple president if we could put one of them in front <laughs> of the temple, because wouldn't you want to walk through that instead of the recommend desk? But, um, 
they have that there as a way of when I step into this place, I've stepped into a holy space. Hmm. I've stepped into a place that's separate and different from the rest of the world. And through really simple ways, we can kind of create this Tory gate of mm-hmm. I'm now stepping into a, oh, you know, that. like into a sacred moment, you yeah. know. And, and we've and, planned for it and we've thought about it. And just thinking about what does that look like for your family? This is probably going to be a time that we all look back on. Remember, remember that time when we couldn't go to church and we couldn't go to any sporting events and we couldn't all those things. And I just think, wouldn't it be awesome if your kids were like, oh, I loved those Sabbath days. And what is that going to look like yeah. for us? How do we make that intentional? As we were talking about that, we've also talked to a lot of people who are just so overwhelmed with now having to be all of the teachers, the school <laughs> teacher, the primary teacher, the young women's teacher, um, just, you know, all of these things. And how do we do it? And what if you don't even feel comfortable in being the teacher and now you have all this responsibility and you might not know this, but we actually love teaching. It's one of our favorite things to do. We also go to a lot of meetings and have for years of how to be a good teacher. And as we were talking, we were like, maybe we should give tips of like, here's some things that would improve your teaching skills. So and and simple like really yeah, so really simple. you can like there's yeah, these big thick books about teaching but we just want to simplify it and think if you would just tweak this one little thing or ask questions like this it could have a lot of payoff yeah and as we talked about it we we just felt so strongly about doing it so we know you watch these on YouTube and that has been such a great place for us to engage with you there. And we are thinking the easiest way to do this is actually going to be to make a better use of our Instagram account, which is don't miss this study. And we are going to post on there Sabbath day tips, teaching a lesson tips, and then insight into the lesson tips. So we are going to be posting a lot more than we have been in an effort to try and help you, um, especially if you're feeling overwhelmed, just things that you could be using that are gonna help you with your teaching, um, particularly now, but if you love it, we once we all get to go back to church, we will continue that because we, we love teaching and we would love to help you learn how to teach if that's something that would be of interest to you. Yeah, so let us know and hopefully it is. We're gonna start and if people keep liking it, then we'll, We'll keep doing it, but just keep in mind, it's going to be really simple. I just, I just hope kind of, um, the song I played for myself today was that one, um, you can look up. It's from Sissel when she sang Mm -hmm. it, the, with the choir. I don't remember what their real life name is now. (laughs) The choir that's at Uh, conference. Yeah. The The conference at Temple Square, whatever. Um, and it's called slow down. I read this thing, um, somewhere this week where somebody said, um, we are so sad and heartbroken about all of the implications of what's happening, the people who are out of work and the people who are needing to get out of the house Mm -hmm. or can't and and all those things. Um, But also it's almost as if somebody pressed pause on the whole Mm -hmm. world. And I feel like sometimes I need a pause and haven't been able to because it's been running, running, running. So it's kind of like, oh, maybe we can just slow down. And and our tips are going to be just simple things, easy things that will just hopefully... Yep, and we're just going to create this pause in life right now, and I think it is going to make us better, stronger. Yeah. And I just was thinking, um, we've got Easter to look forward to, oh. and, and that's coming up, and just how hopeful that is to yeah. be in this time of 
Lent, this time of like preparing hearts for our mm-hmm. highest holy day. And, and one thing that will be fun, actually, that we should mention, we love Easter. Um, if you followed us last year, you know that is true about us. And we will be doing a lot of intro into Easter. And maybe it would be fun to even split that into... Um, oh, yeah, on the days. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. So you've got more time and more activities to do with your kids while they're at home and you need things to do. Um, Last year, we actually created an Easter, we call it a nativity set, even though it isn't the (laughs) nativity. But it just helps people know what it is because I've always wanted an Easter nativity set. I just want to lay out a decoration in my home that is not a rabbit or an Easter egg that is about Jesus. And ours is up already. Yes. And we have had so many people ask about where they can find those this year. And your life just got so easy because they are at Desert Book, everyone. So just go instead into Desert Book. Instead of our Etsy shop last year. It's like just easier. Yeah. And they will be there and we will be doing some of that. So we, we'll post that on our Don't Miss This Study as well. So you'll be able to follow along and do that. And, and then in the newsletter. So we'll put the links to the Easter videos in there. And the restoration Instagram. and Instagram and the restoration videos too. We yeah. talked about putting those yes, in there if because, you want more things. Yeah, we've had a lot of people say to us, we have so much time now of things that we could be watching and doing with our kids. And remember Joseph Joseph Smith? That was <laughs> I was just kidding about that. President Nelson. <laughs> remember, he's our prophet right now. Remember when oh President God, Nelson told us to study Joseph Smith's okay, history? Okay. That's where I was going. She with called that. him President Hinckley earlier, and that's kind of normal because he was three prophets ago. But like, it's fun. Okay, maybe let's my call him Brother Russell. Why did we call Joseph Smith Brother Joseph? I know we loved that. Brother um, Russell. Okay. I'm trying to bring us back together, everybody, right now. You're the one who derailed us. (laughs) And so we both have been doing um, restoration thoughts and um, thoughts on all that preparation. And so what we will do for you is link to those also so you can easily find them if you are looking for more resources or things that you can do while everybody's at home. And particularly as we are preparing for a conference. We will just gather things that you'll be able to use and find as you prepare. Yeah, and and I love that you use the word resources because we're not trying to tell you all the things that you should be doing. Um, But just like, look, there's a lot of things to choose from that just take bits and pieces from all the stuff that you find everywhere. And I think simplicity is going to just be the key throughout all of this. Yep. Um, Okay, that was a lot of housekeeping. (laughs) Well, it's because like that's the world right now. And now we're going to your favorite part to sing in the primary song about the Book of Mormon. I can't remember how it goes. Enos, Jeremiah, I can't remember. Anyway, it went like this. But they're all stuck together in one. These little books. All of a sudden, it's 1,000 prophets in one week. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But we're starting with... Enos. So let's start him, and you can go to the book of Enos. Do we want to move out of the way for one second? No, let's just go as we go. Yeah, people like us to actually read what we wrote on the board. Okay, here's Enos and trees that are right here. Um, Enos (laughs) is the son of Jacob. So sometimes I love just doing like their genealogy in my mind and think to myself like, oh, that's cool because his uncle is Nephi and his uncles are um, Joseph also. And so his grandpa would have been um, Lehi and his grandma, Sariah. And so just kind of fun um, to think about what his family dynamics were like. And Jacob passes on the responsibility um, of keeping the records, what's called the small plates of Nephi, where Nephi is the one who originally 
passed it on to Jacob and said to remember, write the things of your soul, write the things of, of most importance in the histories, these other ones, but write like the, those tender parts of your heart in, in these books. And Jacob is going to pass it on to Enos. And it seems as if Enos is so famous for this, like this long prayer that he has out in the woods. But it's interesting that, um, this is right after Jacob died. And, um, Sometimes it's in those times in our lives when we have a, a tragedy or something unexpected or someone that we love dearly passes away that we move into this really kind of contemplative place. Maybe a lot of you are because of what's happening in the world right now mm-hmm. or thinking like I'm in this like really like soulful place in my life. And it seems to have happened with him that his dad died. And so now he is in this like, oh, where am I? What's going on? Who do I want to be? I've got this responsibility. And he, and he uses this word. He actually talks about his dad, that he was such a good man and he, and he nurtured me and admonished me in the Lord. Uh, I love that he did both. He must be talking about his mom and dad together. Mm. He's just like, they both like would sometimes kind of challenge me and push me, admonish me, like enthusiastically, like make recommendations. And mm. sometimes they would nurture and be really sweet with me and, you know, Um, but he says, I'll tell you of the wrestle, which I had, um, which is such a fun word, but we want you to notice in verse two that he says, this is a wrestle, which I had before God. So it's not a wrestle that he has with God because God is on his side, but it's one that he has before him. And wouldn't, wouldn't that be how you describe like times Mm -hmm. like this where you're like, I just was wrestling with maybe his sins, maybe his inadequacies, maybe like what he's going to do next, but he is having this soul struggle in God's presence. And that's so powerful that he's like, like, it's not against him, Mm -hmm. but it's right with him. Like I'm having it before him. And you almost love it. It's like, we, we know what it is to wrestle with things, you know, that I can see him there because he's, he's going to take this responsibility and he's watched his dad. Obviously we, we see in so many verses here, he watched what his dad did. And do you wonder how much of that wrestle was increase my capacity, make me equal to this task? Like I, I am going to need help here. And just that wrestle with getting that confirmation and that, um, that realization that God is going to be for him in this. And that things are going to be okay. And I just like, as you were just talking, I was just thinking one more time, we just spoke, um, just this last week at the North Star Convention. Was it called Convention? I think so. Um, it's conference. A, a, it conference, a conference. A conference. And it's a group of LGBTQ people and, and families who are trying to wrestle with their place in the church right now. And it sort of was a tough week um, for those families and individuals in particular because of the honor code things at BYU. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we talked about together a lot and there was there are things that we're going to really wrestle with in life, but how important it is that we wrestle with them before God, like bring him into the picture Mm -hmm. and into the story, like have this, it's not against him. It's like in his wrestle with him in the picture, you know? Yeah, that's so good. Um, I love also um, just thinking about the power of a parent teaching a child. I love at the end of verse three, when he said, I have, I had often heard my father speak concerning eternal life and the joy of the saints sunk deep into mm. my heart. And I just love that um, 
that his father's words actually sunk deep into his heart. And particularly now, we have to hope that will be true of our kids because we become what they will know of the gospel during this time. We become that resource for them. And the thought that there might be a time when our own kids will look back and say, I remember when my mom's teachings or my dad's teachings sunk deep into my heart. We love also how Enos describes this prayer, how he prayed. We left you a little square right here to write down some of the synonyms for prayer that you see in these next verses. But you're going to look for, just as he enters into that conversation, that his soul hungered. Well, even those ones you just used, that yeah. he allowed time for those words to, like, sink deep. Yeah. You know? Yeah. just, like, there's something about that, too. And sometimes prayer becomes so much of a routine in our life. And you love when you're reading these words that you're like, what did prayer look like for Enos? Because he, he takes two verses to describe it to yeah. us, right? Um, that I hungered, I knelt down, I cried. He talks about that it was mighty prayer, it was supplication, it was all day long. Um, he did raise his voice. I love that he's explaining to you, let me, let me try and tell you what my prayer looked like, which makes me think our prayers don't always have to look the same. Right. That at different times, our prayers will be different. And it made me think, um, last year, Megan went through a really hard situation and she went over to our bishop to talk to him about it. And he said to her, as we work together, I'm going to give you an invitation each week as we go through this process. And the first time she went over there, there was so much pain and heartache and just struggle of what was going on. And his first invitation had to do with prayer. But he said to Megan, I don't want you to ask for anything. I don't want you to... Um, hope for anything in the future. I don't want you to pray for like a resolution of what's happening. All I want you to do is pour out. Mm. I just want you to pour out and that's it. And I want you to do it every day this week. And as she was telling me that, I was like, oh, that is such good counsel. It's almost as if what, that's what Enos did first. He just poured out before he even went to the next step. And I was reading recently the talk President Nelson gave on how to receive revelation. And I had noticed that that is actually the second step. Um, I had forgotten that he had, that's the second step. The first step is find a quiet place. You'll remember this if you read the talk um, recently. And the second step is pour out. And then the third step is ask. But I thought, I, when's the last time you poured out mm. in prayer? Don't you want to think about that? Yeah, it's so funny that that was his advice because somebody gave me really similar advice like a couple of months ago. And we actually, Jenny and I bought this, um, we, we, it came as a gift, actually a vase hmm. that's empty. And we keep it on the shelf as a reminder of hmm. sometimes you just need to pour out. Oh, that you is know? so but neat. Yeah. What if you use those synonyms for instead of like, oh, I said my prayers. What if you're like... Oh, I was just um, pouring out I was my just soul. Pouring out, reaching, I was reaching for heaven. Yes. I was I was hungering. I don't know. Yes. It's just kind of neat. I to like know. It makes you start thinking, what did my prayer look like? Every just time I read it. Enos, I want to have a better prayer life. Mm. Like I'm just saying, I want to have a more like yeah. rich, you know, prayer life. So which good. Is neat. And we love this first five where he says, There came a voice unto me, which is right here on the on the paper, his his answer to all of this. 
And, um, well, uh, and oh, let's talk oh, about I this lied. first because I, I love this part. Yeah, this comes before it. Um, yeah, it's in the verse, answer comes in five. Yeah, it's in verse seven, and um, in verse seven, there's such a neat question. And the first time I ever heard this question and noticed it from the Book of Enos was actually after a talk Sherry Dew gave on grace, which was so interesting because she was talking about grace and how sometimes we don't understand it. We don't understand what grace is. And um, he's praying for that his sins would be forgiven and that he would be blessed is what he's praying for and um, ha felt that that was going to happen in his life. And then he asked this question, Lord. Because he hears it first. He hears yeah. a voice that says, you're forgiven and you will be blessed. And then. And then he's, I knew that God could not lie. Where, wherefore my guilt was swept away. And then he asked this question that is so interesting. Lord, how is it done? And that might be a question all of us ask when we wonder how grace works in our life, how salvation works in our life. Um, that, that's kind of the place that we go to, like, how does it work, right? How is it done? What makes it possible for grace to take hold in our life? And I love that the answer back is in verse eight, because of your faith in Christ, whom you haven't even ever heard of, or seen but because you have faith in in what you haven't heard yet or seen because Christ hadn't come yet right so he's having to believe forward the same way we believe backwards to that event which I think is so neat and it'll be many years will pass away before he shall manifest himself in the flesh wherefore go to thy faith hath made thee whole and we love thinking about this is such the whole New Testament summed up in two verses, right? How, how is it done? How are we made whole? How are we healed? How do we ex experience that enabling grace and the healing and the elevating of souls? How is it done? And the answer is so simple. We talked about it in 2 Nephi 25 also. Just believe in Christ. That is what opens up um, your soul for grace to begin. It's working you for Jesus Christ to begin his work in you. I, it's so simple. Yeah, it seems like throughout all of the... It, this phrase shows up with that woman um, reaching out to his robe, mm -hmm. do you remember? And and so many other stories where it's like, your faith has made you whole. And it seems to be like in all the miracle stories, that's like the, the thing that's the same. Jesus keeps asking, do you believe I can do this? It's because of your belief. It's because of, you know, your your faith. And one thing to be careful of, I think, is making our faith the hero of it mm. but remember faith a synonym for that is to is to trust to look to to hand over and to i be love loyal to yeah, that is one of the things one of the definitions i just found this week that i love being faithful to someone is being loyal to someone or a friend to someone so when you're yeah. talking about a faith in christ that's a loyalty to christ that's a trusting in christ that's that's being a friend to christ if you can just do that that's how it's done. Yeah. This girl, we were singing in Institute, the Come Thou Fount song. And we were singing all the verses. And at the end, after the song, it was just a really sweet experience, you know, for some reason. You know, just sometimes there's just that magic mm -hmm. that happens in a hymn. And uh, it ended and we did the prayer. And then I was like, wait, go back and everybody tell me what your best line in that hymn is. Like, which one? Because you could tell people were feeling the words. Yeah. And this girl said, my favorite line in there is, Here's my heart, Lord. 
Hmm. And I was like, oh, that line scares me, actually. It's <laughs> like, you know? And I was like, why do you love that one so much? And then she said this, because I trust him with my heart. Oh, that's so good. And when I read this verse, how is this done? I was like, because of your faith in Christ, I read it like this. Because you handed your heart over to him, because you trusted him with it and gave it to him, he was able to make it whole. Mm. You know, I, I, yeah. I read it like that it's now, and it's so, so awesome. It's a really, really um, good. Then something really neat happens with Enos, and we have right here just this, um, you can kind of watch this pattern. It doesn't only happen in Enos's story, but we'll show it to you here, but you can see it with other people throughout the Book of Mormon, particularly people you watch a conversion process with. But you'll notice in these first verses, and two through four, right oh, and it's just right down here. Yep. If you want to see how to fill it in. I feel like Vanna White <laughs> when I just did that. Um, two through four, he prays first for his own soul, which we just kind of talked about. Then right after he, he hears the voice of God and receives that forgiveness and grace, um, then all of a sudden in verse nine, it says, then I started to feel a desire for the welfare of my brethren. I said that funny, my brethren, <laughs> my brethren, the Nephites. And he, he says, I poured out my whole soul for them in verse 9. And then as he continues on in verses 13 through 14, you'll notice he starts pouring out his heart that the Lamanites, who are people, it says in 13, who want to destroy us and want to get rid of our records. And, and, and we think that everything we're trying to do is in vain. He starts to pray for now his enemies and it's interesting what's like happening to his heart. Like when we feel and experience grace, mm -hmm. forgiveness, we, we start turning outward and he turns out to his family and then to his enemies. And then we love in one of the last verses, it's verse 26 of the chapter. He says, I saw I must soon go down to my grave, end of his life, having been wrought upon by the power of God. Like this is such a powerful memory for him that I must preach and prophesy unto this people, unto everybody, and declare the word according to the truth which is in Christ. And he says this, and I've declared it in all my days, and I've rejoiced in it above that of the world. And he gets to this point eventually where it's like, and then that's all I could think to do was anyone I met, anywhere I went was to give And it's this. so interesting because that is true. When we have experienced grace for ourselves, we become so much better at giving grace to mm -hmm. someone else and it, it's through our being able to love like that that people come to know christ and his grace for themselves for themselves which is yeah. so interesting that you kind of watch him talk about that process well and he says that at the beginning right because mm -hmm. did you notice this when he says the words that my dad spoke back in verse three not just any of the words but look what kind of words actually sink deep words about eternal life and words about joy of the saints. He says, those are the kind of words that actually sunk deep and stuck with me. You know, isn't yeah. it interesting that it's those two I things? I love this too that we forgot to mention, but since you took us back to that verse, verse three, let's just talk about this really quick because sometimes we read about people like Joseph Smith, for example, who went into a grove of trees with the like intention to actually pray and have a conversation with God, a really powerful conversation. And sometimes that will be true for us. But it's so interesting that for Enos, he went to hunt beasts in the forest. Mm. He went out on his ordinary duty and work. And we see that in the New Testament as well. The woman at the well went out on her ordinary duty and work. 
And I love that within our ordinary and duty and work of our days, we can have conversations and experiences like this with the Lord. Um, it didn't, it was, we don't just have to be at church. We don't have to have set aside a time. We can enter into a conversation and, and have a life-changing experience in the ordinary moments. Yeah, and I love that it was like all day long yeah. and into the night. But I, I don't think he was on his knees right. all day. But it was just like just thinking about this and have an open conversation with God throughout the entire mm-hmm. thing, you yeah. know? And then I love that part about it. Neat, it just helps thought. us to know what prayer might look like. Um, okay, we love <gasps> this. We forgot this awesome line at the okay, end of the book, 27, where it just says, oh, I'm in Jerem already. I was ready to go. <laughs> I just like that at the end of his life, he says, I soon go down to the place of my rest, which is with my Redeemer. For I know that in him I shall rest. And he says, and I rejoice in that day and I'll stand before him. And then shall I see his face with pleasure. Oh, and you know who you think about right when you say that? And we should hook to the video. Who's? Elder McConkie. Oh, yeah. That same, he says almost that same thing. I'm making this a note right now. Um, because you actually and see in that coming day. Yeah, yeah. And in that coming day, you actually see somebody in our real life time actually say that same thing in his own words of like, this is what I'm looking forward to. And I think it was the last talk he gave. Right? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We will hook to it. And then it'll be fun to show that to your kids. Um, just watching a prophet actually have that wish. It'll mm. be so good. Mm. Um, in the book of Jerem, and Omni and Words of Mormon. This is what we're going to do. What you watch here is they pass the plates. It's kind of, but but they're passing them pretty quickly through a bunch of people. So Jerem gets them um, next, right after Enos has them. And that's Enos's son is Jerem. And he writes the book of Jerem. And then he's going to pass them. And you're going to watch like the plates pass from person mm-hmm. to person to person. Um and this, we're going to kind of squish all these and, together. And let's talk about who's who. So you have Jerem, who's the son of Enos. Then you're going to have Omni, who's the son of Jerem. We're going to watch that happen. And then there's going to be um, a whole bunch of people, right? There's Chemish. There's Abinadom. There's Amalekai. Um, we're going to see a whole bunch of people go through um, each of these sections. So it's interesting because when you read a verse that you love, you kind of have to look up a little bit and be like, okay, who's writing now? Because you mm-hmm. just never know who's writing next. But we also learn a lot about the leadership of that time period, especially for the ones here who were um, good and righteous. We see what a righteous leader would look like over the course of this time. And so we've written a whole bunch of things um, that we love. And you'll see on your paper, there are verses, so you'll know what to look at. But Let's just talk about some of the ones that we wrote down. Um, that he was mighty in faith. He taught the people, labored diligently, um, looked forward. We love the idea of that. Listened to the voice of the Lord, admonished continually, led with his arm. He, he knew how to unite people. Don't we wish we had that kind of leadership right now? Um, we, we see what that doesn't look like, right? We can, in the church, we see united leadership. In our country right now, we see so much division um, as we watch that. And, and the power of a leader, of a group, um, you know, of these people who lead that could unite. Um, they used gifts. 
they were just and believing. I love when it talks about that he, the leader actually would enter in and fight with them. He didn't just oversee the battle. He actually entered into the battle and he offered his whole soul, um, which is, those are powerful qualities of a leader. Mm -hmm. And as you look at your life as a parent, um, or maybe you have a calling in leadership right now, how many of these things would describe you in your responsibility um, in your family? But it would also be really interesting just to think in your calling. Um, are you that type of a leader? Do you unite people? Do you um, work? Do you fight with them? Do you get into the work? Are you good at listening? Um, I think back, one of the greatest leaders of my life was a bishop that we had many years ago in Draper. And I really struggled with my last pregnancy. And in fact, I didn't go to church for six months. And you don't know how much you miss church until you don't go to church, mm. which will be a really interesting experience for all of us right now because I already know what it will feel like to go back because I've done this before. Um, but we, we, we're so excited to have a little break and we're going to have, you know, we're going to just be at home and be doing things with our kids. And, um, and we will begin to miss parts of church that we don't know we're missing until we enter back in. And my kids would get ready every Sunday and Greg would put everyone in the car and they would leave. And because I was home alone, church became really lonely. I watched all my neighbors go, um, in their cars to church. And I was the only one home on the street and I was by myself and I was, I could feel the aloneness of that moment. And I can remember one day just praying, it probably was second hour, just praying that I was so lonely. Like I was so lonely and I knew everybody was together and everyone was learning and everyone was singing the hymns and they were all taking the sacrament and everyone was having that community that comes from gathering except for me. And I just prayed how lonely I was. And then I heard a car door slam in my driveway. And I looked out my window and it was my bishop's big white truck was in my driveway. And he came out to the door and he knew not to knock because I couldn't get up. So he just walked in my house. And you <laughs> love that the first thing I said to him was, what are you doing here? You are supposed to be at church. <laughs> like you run the ward. And it was so interesting because he said to me, the spirit actually told me I was supposed to be here. Mm. And I thought to myself, like he had a lot of people to take care of the whole ward. Everything was going on at that time, but how neat it was that the spirit was like, actually take a break from second hour because there's somebody on Cranberry Hill court who just needs someone from church to show up for a mm. second. And, he gave me a blessing and we talked for a minute and it just was a sweet experience. And I love that thought of a leader who knows how to listen to the voice of the Lord. And one of my favorites when we were looking at this list was in back in Jerem in verse 11, where it says that he persuaded them to look forward unto the Messiah. And I, I just felt like as I've looked back at some of the people who some were in leadership positions and some I just saw as spiritual leaders were those who just like approached situations with hope and just said, almost like, just look, there are greater days ahead. Hmm. Like look forward 
toward what Christ is going to do and how he's going to redeem this and how he's going to sanctify you and exalt you through this. But just like a, just a hopeful mm. outlook. And I love that idea of looking forward to good times, you know, to come. Yeah. And, and right now in, a, in kind of a, a, a unknown and kind of scary time period, it's, it's fantastic to have leadership, prophetic leadership mm -hmm. that look forward with that same type of hope. Like this idea of, can't you just hear, you know, President Nelson saying like, everything will be okay. <laughs> like yes. look forward to. And who loves this too? We were talking about that. We spent all those months learning about how to keep the Sabbath day holy, like six months. You probably went to Relief Society or Elders Quorum and were like, are we seriously talking about this again? <laughs> and then now here we are in a place where we're like, okay, I got to go back and think what were some of the hints people gave? What were some of the things people did that, that set apart church? And, and as we think about him saying, we need to have a home centered teaching style. Well, how prophetic was that for mm. this moment? Um, there are moments in our life where we see the capability of a prophet to look forward and then we live in that moment of revelation and i love when we get to experience that real time yeah right, where we get to see it because if you look back and was it 1995 the proclamation to the world on the family was given and it sort of was like okay you think about what was on tv in 1995 and family seemed generally pretty you know like mm -hmm. okay, it almost was like okay yay yeah. the family and then 20 years later it was like what a valuable you know, um, to keep our families knit together. Yeah. Um, and, just and you an wonder, like, what's happening right now? That yeah. that that's you know, are we going to know the importance of things happening right now, mm -hmm. or are we going to have to wait twenty years to see that? Yeah, what's happening? And I do want to say this: when I was talking to you about missing church and how much we don't know we're going to miss it until we go back, and I'm just going to say what my two favorite parts were when I went back, and all of you, if you remember, see if this is true. I can remember walking in the door that day and it was, it had been a long time for me. It was six months without going to church because that's how long I was in bed. So maybe if it's only two weeks, it won't be that powerful. But <laughs> yeah, by the time you watch this, we might be back. <laughs> yeah, we might be back in church. Um, but it was six months and I remember opening the door to walk in and it was just normal. Like I hadn't expected to anticipate how grateful I was going to be to walk back. And I stepped into the foyer and I heard the organ playing it's still even now makes it's so tender to me and i just started to weep and it's so funny because we hear that organ playing is so routine until it hasn't and as i walked into the chapel and i just listened to that music and it was so a welcome back mm. and then to actually take the sacrament again with a congregation the boys brought it to my home and I loved it. And there were lessons I learned from that experience as well that were sweet, sweet and individual blessings. But to have that experience of taking the sacrament with a congregation, those two things were such a standout for me. So it'll be interesting when you go back. To Try and love the is. organ when you walk <laughs> back into church. Well, this last one where we talk about leaders that offer their, their whole soul. Um, you see something similar at the end of the book of Omni, which is verse 26, chapter 1, verse 26. This is a man named uh, um, Amalekai, Amaleki, Amaleki. <laughs> we don't really know what his name is. But he gets just like, we, we estimated about 
It's so interesting because well, he gets to tell his whole life in like seven verses. His whole life. Like, think about Nephi. How long he had to be like, let me tell you about what the church looked like in my day. Let me tell you about the tender mercies of the Lord. Let me tell you his whole about the wars. Let me tell you about, and, yeah, yeah, all these things. And then this guy gets like seven verses. And if you had seven verses to sum up the religious experience of your entire life, what would be the most important thing you would write? Just think about that. It's probably 300 words. He probably <laughs> took 300 words to write. He just recaps his entire life experience during which he gives us two really awesome statements. These two one-liners that he's like, here, let me just like recap my life, my spiritual life with these two things. And the first one is in 26, I would that you should come unto Christ who is the Holy One of Israel and partake of his salvation and the power of his redemption, that is one. So the first one is this, if I could tell you anything at the end of my life, it would be just come unto Christ. That's what I want you to do. Yeah, you read this and it's interesting how this is a person that you would think, I don't really know your personality very well because you just had 300 words and Nephi, I feel like if I see him in the spirit world, I'll be like, I feel like we're friends. Like I feel like we hung out for a whole lot of my life. And, and this guy, maybe a lot of us don't even, didn't even know his name, but can't you just feel like the tenderness that yes, comes through when I he just, is, he just says, you can partake of salvation. You can taste salvation. You can feel power of his redemption. Mm. You, this is a man who knows, this is a man who has tasted salvation, who has felt the power mm -hmm. of, of redemption. And, and, and I love that the first one is an invitation for us. This is what I want you to do. Come unto Christ. And the second thing he says is, what should you do when you get there? And, and, and it's in that verse 26. Even though, do we want to say this about 25 real fast? Let's, can we say three things that we, he's just like, <laughs> yes. I, I want you to, I want you to believe in the Holy One of Israel, which is a kind of a name for the Old Testament God. Like mm. believe in that God of mighty miracles and believe in prophecy and revelations and the ministry of angels and tongues and gifts and in all things that are good. I love that like, line just so much. Believe in all things that are good. Yeah. You know? It's so good. This is what I want you to do and come unto Christ. And when you get there, I love this line. Offer your whole soul as an offering to him. Don't you like that he's like, um, be all in, everybody. That's yeah. what I want you to do. Don't hold anything back from that relationship. You enter all the way in. That's the most important thing that I could tell you. And, and, and it might be bit by bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what if I'm like, I can only offer 20% of my soul right now. And just like, well, that's okay. Just, yes. but, but just hand it over and it'll look differently. For some people, it'll look like seven verses. For some people, it'll look like 36 chapters. Like mm -hmm. it's gonna look differently for everybody. Yep. But he says, just give your soul as an offering to him. And we've connected that invitation with this line from Words of Mormon in verse 17, there's only one chapter for a lot of these, that it, a person who offers their whole soul unto him and just says, Lord, just use me however you would like. Send me on an errand, point me where to go, whether it's to Cranberry Court, or is that, was that the name of yes, your street? Cranberry Hill Court. <laughs> Cranberry Hill Court. Just what, what, do you want, what do you want me to do? And you love that he's just working 
in you, right? He's just, he's just going to work in you. Um, we love how that matches up with the scripture in the New Testament, Philippians 2. So did we say this first? It was verse 17. I lied. Is it verse 17? Yeah. Seven. It's verse I seven. I lied, you guys. It's seven. Erase that one. Yes. <laughs> oh, I licked my hand um, during Corona. Words of Mormon, one, okay. <laughs> seven. Um, so it says this, I don't know all things, but the Lord knoweth all things which are to come. Wherefore, he worketh in me to do according to his will. And just think about that for a minute. What would it look like for him to work in you? Um, he says that same thing in Philippians 2, 13. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He doesn't just think good of you. He's actually going to help you do the good that he sees in you. Um, that word worketh, if you were to look at the Greek translation for that, is I pretend I'm Greek right now, everyone. It's energio. It's like energy, but end it with an E and an O. And it means this, to be active in to be mighty in, to show forth himself in. And do you love that he's like, I will be active in you. I will be mighty in you. I will show forth myself in you. And maybe you wonder what that looks like. Like maybe you're like, well, how, how does that work exactly? How, how actually does God work in someone? And we have a favorite story that is just such a great depiction of that. Yeah, well, and let's say two stories. One, what's actually happening right here. And then we'll say this other one also. But you remember, um, if you're going through the Book of Mormon, it's been the small plates, which has been Nephi's records. And then all of a sudden it jumps all, all way up to like 400 AD. This is like 600 BC. And then it jumps up to 400 AD if you look at the dates. And that's because when Mormon put together the plates, which could you imagine mm -hmm. like him walking into a cave <laughs> full of a thousand years of history and the Lord's like... I need you to condense all of this um, and pick the best parts for a generation of people who will live, you know, so 1,500 years, years from now. From now. Yeah. And, and, and can you put, and he's kind of like, uh, I don't know what, and as he's putting it together, it says, it whispereth in me. He just felt like mm -hmm. this inkling, this kind of just like this whisper to like put in this other repeat section of plates, right? Which, um, as we study... You can read this in Saints. This is when the 116 pages was lost. And they were like, uh-oh, now everything's messed up. And then all of a sudden they find this other group that Mormon had put in. The same material two times. Mm -hmm. And he kind of was like, I don't know why. Yes. I don't I'm really know why. There's a whisper. Yeah. And, and God worked in Mormon, you know, to do this great work. Um this other story we love so much is a man named Joseph Millet. And there's actually a video you can watch. And maybe oh, we should like... I'll write that down. Yeah. That's a good idea. There's a video that you can watch about this man, Joseph Millet, who it was a time in um, where a lot of people were struggling financially, kind of pioneer times. And one of the kids came home from school and they said, hey, Brother Newton Hall's family is out of bread. Like we, they didn't have any at school. And so he had his flour... And he divided part of his flour and put it into another sack and uh, and sent it with his kids. But he didn't send it. He oh, was but going to send it. He was going to, to. He it. hand it to his kids. Yeah. He's like, go and give this. And when they opened up the door, or was there a knock yeah, on the door? Yeah, he knocks. He knocks knock on, on the door. door. And it is Brother Hall, who's there standing at the door. And he said, well, Brother Hall, I heard that you were out of flour. 
And he said, yeah, that is right. And he says, well, here is some flour that we've already divided up for you from the kids. And Brother Hall started to cry. And he said, I went out to the cedars. That's what he said, out to the woods to pray. And when I was there, the Lord whispered to me to go see Joseph Millet. And then Joseph Millet said, well, if the Lord sent you, then you don't have to repay that flower. It is for you. And our favorite part is that Joseph Millet, later that night, in his journal. Yeah, he thinks back the whole experience, everybody. And then he gets his journal out that night. He writes down the whole thing. It's in his words. And then at the very bottom, he says this one line that is the best part of the whole story. Okay, he says this. You can't tell me how good it made me feel to know that the Lord knew there was such a person as Joseph Millet. That's Joseph writing and saying, it was so thrilling to know that God knew me and knew that he could count on me. In that moment, you love when Brother Hall is just in the cedars crying. Where should I go? Because he'd been turned away at other houses. And wouldn't you love it if the Lord just looked down and he was like, let's see, where could I send him? Oh, I know. Joseph Millet will do it. I will send him there. Don't you want the Lord to think about you like that? And to know you like that. And and it's so, it's easy. That's what it looks like to offer your whole soul. At the beginning, it and sounds so... And then for so, him to work in you because right, you have right, offered right. your whole soul. It sounds overwhelming, but what it really means is, Lord, I'm available. Here is my time, my resources, my gifts, my talents. They are ragamuffin. They are <laughs> lacking. They are not refined, but they are available for you to use. And he will work in us. He will whisper to us things to do. And and, and what a thrill it is when he mm-hmm. does work through us. And, yeah. and oh, to work so hand in hand with him. Oh, we love that story so, so much. Awesome. So, so many great truths here. But I think my favorite is... I mean, we, we've got that whole pouring out, right? And we've got that invitation to come unto Christ. And then that thought of like, just be all in. Offer everything you have, your whole soul, because if you do, he can work in you. And miracles will happen. And then at the end of your life, like Enos, you could say, oh, I will, we'll meet each other mm-hmm. and I will see his face with pleasure. And I'll say, I know you. We were shoulder to shoulder throughout our whole lives together. Um, We left a little square right here in the bottom that you can just write down, how is he working in you right now? Where do you see him doing that work in you? So maybe that can be our invitation to you for this week is um, look for that. Look for how he's working in you. Awesome. That's it. See you next week. Good luck with with your church at home. And school at home and all the home. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.